We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. to another edition of the Rock Pal Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer Chris Kruger. And in studio with us tonight, Mr. Joe Miller. Bill Season Ticket Holder Joe Miller. <laughs> Bill Season Ticket Holder Joe Miller. <laughs> Joe? Good am to I, see am you. I allowed to try this now? Yes. Cheers. Chris has uh, sh- been he was nice enough to chef us up cocktails. Now, I don't know if you can see this, Ooh. but uh, mine is a little Ooh. suspect. I, th- I think he put battery acid in yours. There's something in here. Like this, it looks like, like what's that? Is it, is it a Tom Collins or is it a Cosmo? Like what is the, is it probably a Cosmo? Shirley like, Temple. Shirley Temple. <laughs> there's something going on here, but there's also a slice of orange in it, which throws me off a little bit. Chris, keep these coming. It's an orange peel. I know, I know that I said when I got here that I didn't need to spend the night, but you probably need to keep these coming and grab me a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> like, like legit. So... This week we've got a lot of ground to cover. We talked, uh, you know, we talked a little bit in our last pod about obviously the Super Bowl. Can I cut in here for a second? Yes. I don't know if you even noticed this, Drew. Most likely because I didn't bother to tell you. I don't know if you noticed this right here. We have a fourth camera. I did notice this. I was just questioning, and I'm doing the math, and I was like, "Oh, we have interesting." I bought that last week. You ready for this? I bought it with cryptocurrency. <laughs> Damn it. I was really hoping you would fall on your face with this crypto endeavor. No, 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 no. Since, well, uh, for uh, for buying that, I bought it last Thursday. And as of 5 o'clock, the last time I looked at my crypto account, it has gone up. The price of the camera has gone up uh, 195%. So I almost made double back my money just from the crypto market 
going north. Mm. So, are you are you invested in Bitcoin? What are you invested in? I am in uh, Ethereum. Ethereum, okay. Yes, gotcha. Because Bitcoin is losing its mind. It was down today, but it's losing its mind overall. And all of the uh, uh, sub, uh, uh, subsequent stocks that are involved in the stock market that are related to the digital like currency of Bitcoin are also like Mara are also losing their mind. They're all going crazy. Mara was also down today, though. Yeah. I guess here's here. Just, just don't want to put this out there for our listeners. As a simple man, I hear you guys saying these things, and I want to know, is there anything as hateable right now in pop culture as NFTs, Bitcoin, and the blockchain? And the people who throw that term around as if they know who really don't. So... uh... This this year, I've begun teaching myself to day trade, um, just because I'm trying to get in control of my financial future as well as just my future in general, and that has something to do with turning fifty this year. So there's <laughs> like you turn fifty in June, and by August, it's like maybe I need to figure some stuff out, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so I would tell you that getting involved in that, my biggest, I don't I don't have a, a giant. I mean, EFTs and trying to understand that stuff and blockchain. There's an annoyance there, but the biggest problem I have with Bitcoin is not ever having gotten into it. Right. And then when it was down to 16,000, whatever it was, six or seven months ago, and now it's at 50, and they're projecting it to be at 100 uh, within 10 years, which it'll probably happen before that. There's just a great deal of like, wow, did I miss it? I totally missed it. That's cool. Like, that's a, and that's a natural human reaction to right. have. When you see everybody throwing a big party, it's like the people who could have bought into Google stock and yes. didn't. The people who could have bought Amazon stock and didn't. Apple, Qualcomm. Uh, sh- sure. Yeah, yeah, Tesla, you name it. Yeah. Also, though. Look at all the people who have just completely lost their asses. Yes. As and and yes. so I look at that and I say to myself, you know, I could not I could lament not being on this side of the equation. And I'm, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, man, I missed my shot. There's people scrambling to make up for lost time, which is always a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's the group of people like me who are just kind of indifferent to it. You almost have to be. I think I think I almost have to be indifferent to it at this point because it's too late to get in for Bitcoin. Yes, I would have to learn so much about this. Like, what is an NFT? All I do is I open up Twitter and I go, oh, there's another guy who got all of his NFTs stolen and he doesn't even understand. Oh, because I plugged in a photo frame from China into my laptop and it downloaded malware that hijacked my wallet and I'm broke. I have no idea what you're talking about right now. You. I've read <laughs> stories of people getting robbed by yeah. picture frames, and I'm like, you know what? That's strange. Yeah, I don't need to be a part of this. Yeah, no, bit, Bitcoin's a little different. You, you could get it. Like, all you got to do is you don't need to have education to buy Bitcoin. You can actually buy Bitcoin in small pieces, so you can invest in it a little bit at a time. So you can, it's, it's not too late. It's just It just seems insurmountable. It's $50,000 $50, for one, and you're just like, I ain't got 50 grand. And it's like, you don't really need 50 grand. You can buy one one thousandth of a bitcoin and starting and as it as it goes up your one one thousandth goes up as well there's just an aspect of it's it just seems insurmountable but i would tell you that it's not really that difficult the the biggest there's there's simple rules to live by when you're talking about trading and it's just really hard to live by them like really really hard i think i have one and three quarters of a ethereum nice what i have congratulations or was that a golf clap? That sounds bad. From where I'm sitting, that doesn't sound like a good thing. But what do I What's know? What's it worth? I mean, well, I'm up four figures. There you go. 
It's like him and his. There was a time right where I was up five. <laughs> really? Yeah. Nice. And then it went down. Yeah. And then it went, and then it went away. That's the big part. It's, it's almost it's... like you could have cashed out. So people that figure. people that is to use your phrasing lose their ass in it are the people that like when it's super volatile. So when it goes down, they get they freak out and they panic. And they get out versus just waiting. Well, yeah, because once you buy something and you're like, well, it's worth nothing now, I might as well hold it. Yeah, but, but people don't. They they get out. So it's just it's the whole thing with the 401ks and it's the whole thing when yeah. the stock market, quote unquote, crashes and people try to pull their money out versus why don't we all just not do that and we'll wait a couple of months and everything will be fine. So just like the last two weeks, there's been a pullback because of just the, the Fed announcement and the CPI report and stuff like that. And literally, literally, the market recovered a day and a half later. So, but but people did. I mean, people pulled billions out of the market, and then the market recovers. It's like just leave it in there; you'll be fine. Well, if we're talking about recovery, if we're going to pivot away from the financial hour here over here, brought to you by the Rockpile Report, <laughs> um, I have this what looks like an absolute conundrum in front of me. It's this, a it's a Jello old fashioned. It's see through. <laughs> is that a Jello shot? Well, this is it. It's garnished like an old fashioned with a with a with a what, what do they call this a Chris, what's that? What do you call that? A, just lemon? An orange, orange peel. peel. It's an orange peel. <laughs> okay, no, there, there's a fancy term you usually it's use. It's not for orange it. zest. It's oh, a, you, it's you, a, it's you didn't use a Y peeler for this, did you? No, I don't. I threw that away. <laughs> he cut his finger off with a Y peeler. We might have to. We might have to pause this show soon. That's how good this old fashioned is. Yeah. Looking at this, but it's ruby red in color. The drink is. And it's see-through. It's not cloudy. It's not murky or creamy like the other drinks he's been making. I think making. he's complaining. Is he complaining no, right no, now? No, no, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell is in this. Now, have you had Abby Lang on the show? Is that a is that a old-fashioned Jello shot? Like, what is that? It smells <laughs> like. Take a whiff of that and tell me what you. You get. might not get it back. T- t- take a whiff and tell me what you smell because I, I I don't really smell. It's a whole very lot. neutral. Yeah, very neutral. That's a good word that I would use. Yes. All right, so I'm going to hit this. Mine's almost gone. He's getting just getting started. Oh, <laughs> yikes. Okay. Well, no, because it's what happens with perception, what, what you expect versus what you get. I expected that to be fruity. It is not. Oh, um, It right. is not fruit forward at all. In fact, it's very bitter. It's very light, but it has like a bitterness. Like, like the only thing I can describe this as is like I remember when like the last time I fell face first onto a floor and I got some of the carpet in my mouth. It has a bitterness to it of floor spice. Chris, what is in that glass? It's called Old Pal, which is... This is not my wow, friend. It seems appropriate. It's an ounce of rye, an ounce of dry vermouth, and an ounce of Campari. The hell is Campari? It's uh, Italian. Do you want to try this? I'll sip it. Good luck. I spilled some on the glass. That's right. It's not a friendly drink. It's called Old Pale. I like it. You like that? I like it. Let me ask you this. Where do you stand on black licorice? Uh, that does not taste like anise. No, no, no. But where do you stand it on principle? Where do you stand on the flavor of anise? <sighs> so, so uh, good and plenty with the candy shell, good. Black licorice by itself, not good. Right? So I literally just tweeted something very similar to this. Like, there was somebody that put something out about uh, something out about a Reuben, and it's like, I don't like rye bread, I don't like horse uh, sauerkraut, and I'm kind of like iffy on, on pastrami, but you put them all together, and I'm, I'm in. It's like, let's go. So I thought a second sip would make it taste better. It does not. It's like, 
You the fact that this is being called old pal, it almost seems like whoever made this had a sense of humor. It's like, hey, old pal, you're at my house, and I don't, I hate that you're here. Let me make you a cocktail. Or it's I didn't have the ingredients for an old fashioned, so you got an old pal. Yeah, you got this thing that I whipped up. Because <laughs> I have vermouth. I gave all the high end stuff to my other friends, my actual friends. You're just my old pal. The idea is to get Drew a cocktail that he's never had before. Oh, that's wow. where we're going with this? Yeah. yeah, every week we do this, and it's oh. so far this one is not. That's uh, two weeks in a row where they've been questionable. You've been, but but he's been so getting. Where are you getting, getting these getting, recipes from? He's been getting more adventurous, and I do like that. I have books upstairs. I have books. Yeah. I've gotten cocktail? I've gotten in way into cocktails because of to, Brett need, Coleman. You need to set up like a, a like a like a stadium seating thing over here, and I'll just come over and watch the show and have cocktails. <laughs> In fact, there's been people who asked if they could do that. I'm, I'm in, dude. Like, count me in. I don't need to be on TV. We, we, after the wedding, we need to consider this, Chris. So we know that the Super Bowl's over. We already talked about that in our previous podcast. If you've heard it, you can go over there and listen to that if you haven't yet. But right now, we're looking at the Bills 2024 offseason. Kind of where do mm-hmm. we go from here? Mm-hmm. You know, What do we have? Because you know, right now, I see people already rushing to our free agency primer. Whoa! Well, there's mock drafts out, right? There's I mean, well, yeah, mock the, drafts. Yeah. I will. Yeah, free agency primers. Yeah, everybody's. Yeah, right. we need to find out who was the guy. Like somewhere out there, mm-hmm. like like the guy who convinced us all that like go. Who's the guy? Ray for McDonald's. Who was the guy who pioneered this and goes, "Hey, fast food burgers can be done." And we can oh, make I don't this know his happen. name. Yeah, Ray Kroc. Maybe. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. If we need to find out who the guy was who goes, "Hey." We could make mock drafts a part of like the football zeitgeist, and we need to get in a DeLorean and go back in time, yeah, and just rub that guy right out, yeah, because yeah, put him right out of his misery. Never done a mock draft, never going to do a mock draft, but yeah, we score the mock drafts. All these people who feel like putting their my final mock draft, right, it, right. we score it. Where you go back, so you and keep then, receipts, and then we make fun of them. Nice, oh, it's very great. Good. Very good. Uh, I think. What was it? Bruce Nolan lost last time. Was it Bruce? Or no, it was Greg Thompson. Greg Thompson. Yeah. Greg Thompson lost. It was pretty funny. Yeah, he probably didn't like that. He was not. He <laughs> at first I was like he'll be real gregarious about this, but his competitive nature. Oh just yeah. Like, let me see your scoring rubric. I was like, oh, yep, he, yep. oh yeah, I got him. Yep, yep. <laughs> got him. So with that in mind, I liked it just for me as kind of one of the lay fans. I'm not this hyper analyst. I'm not a. I'm not a film junkie. I'm just a guy who enjoys the sports, knows a little bit, talks Same. a little bit. I want to take a look at where we stand mm. as of today, mm. looking forward at the 2024 offseason. For as many things cha- are going to change and have changed, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of good things that are going to stay the same. And I think that they all deserve a little bit of their own due. Like I think I think there's a lot of Bills fans who look at this offseason, they're already rushing to, who do we sign in free agency? We need this, we need that. You forgot needs. who do we cut, because a lot of them are cutting people. So yeah. Needs, <clears throat> and I think that's where I want to start this. People have this perceived, like, we need this, we need that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take stock of what we have first. Sure, sure. It's it's that thing of when you go shopping. Like, well, I don't need to go grocery <laughs> shopping. What's in the pantry? You, let's check the pantry first before I start making my grocery right, list. Right, 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 right. So when I take a look around at the points of continuity and some of their importance for the Bills, I think that some of them deserve a little bit of dissection just in terms of what they mean to, like, if you want to be a smarter fan about this and kind of start to postulate as to where the team might go in mm-hmm, terms of mm-hmm. how it uses its capital, mm-hmm. what's important to bring back, what mm-hmm. isn't, or why some of the decisions got made. First of all, like, it gets a little cliche when you say 
you say things to make yourself feel better mm-hmm. every year. Mm-hmm. The Bills can't be major players in free agency, right? You're like, well, it's okay because we have Josh Allen. We've got Josh Allen, so we don't have to be because it'll paper over. It's reality, but you don't have to add a qualifier to it. Mm-hmm. The Bills will not be major players in free agency this year. Maybe. Just like that. Maybe, but also there's a lot of hurdles to get there. Sure. But at the same time, there are some things that are going to help with the development of what you already have. And some things that you could turn into nice pieces that maybe mean you don't have to do so much, mm-hmm. or at least as much as the average fan thinks you do. Sure. Uh, first of all, the retention of some key coaching staff members, I think that's important. Yep. Babbage and Brady. Yeah, big time. Team. Yeah. Now, what I like about Brady, made good use of the ancillary talents around Josh Allen, which is something we've been screaming about as a fan base for years. We've been talking about it can't just be Diggs. It can't just be Josh. There has to be tight end involvement. There has to be running backs involved. There. We got that. We got that. We got to see that play out this season. Like, that's been everyone's big complaint for years, is that it's we, we have one or two skill players that matter, and then there's just Josh. But is it a validated complaint? Oh, it is a validated complaint. I don't think so. You're telling me that you would have taken, and I'm going to give you, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to gift wrap, you, you would take the last six to eight games of 2023 offense over the 2020 offense? Well, and... No, you no, wouldn't. you wouldn't. But that's there is no but. No, well, well, and period. <laughs> End of conversation. That's it. Like, me, Chris, bang, Chris, done. Did Nate and I not sit here and pan, pan the search for an offensive coordinator? He did. We sat here and talked about how I thought that it, and Nate made the made a good point. Just to hear some outside ideas, just to understand what another guy might bring to the table that the current current offensive coordinator. The incumbent in Joe Brady, yeah, yeah, might not have shown you over that final seven or eight game stretch of the season where he was the offensive coordinator. Answered some questions in the coaching staff's mind of, "Hey, how is this guy going to fix things?" Even if nothing more than to sit down with Eric Bieniemy and go. Well, that's what. That's what that, I think. That's what Stefan Diggs was asking before mini camp, camp yes. this year. It's like, how is this going to fix? Like, what are we doing to fix things? How are you not? How, well, exactly. And everyone <laughs> right. labeled him a fucking problem. Exactly. What I get mad about is this idea that they didn't ask Eric Bieniemy, "Hey, what are you going to do?" So if I've you're heard, being if you're being shrewd, I've heard you, different things about Bieniemy. I, sure, it's he's not to, a great dude. It's, it's, like it's he coming out. Coaching it's job. coming out that he's a bit of an a hole. If for he sure. was agreeable, <clears throat> yeah. If he was an agreeable person and easy to work with, he'd have a job in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. The I, fact that he doesn't is kind of evidence that people know he's good. Yeah. They also know, and they, he showed that with what he did with the offense in Washington that had no business being anything. Yeah. The problem is, if you can't get along, you don't get to go along in the NFL. It's one hundred percent true, but I think there's a there's a there's a piece of the conversation missing that nobody wants to talk about, which is the fact that Josh Allen isn't taking ownership of the offense, in my opinion. Hmm. Okay, Josh Allen isn't isn't turning into that Peyton Manning. Josh Allen isn't turning into that Tom Brady. Josh Allen isn't turning into that Pat Mahomes. Josh Allen isn't turning into that name prolific quarterback Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, name prolific quarterback that basically got to the point where. I'm the quarterback. It's my offense. We're going to run what I think we should run because this is what I do well. Josh is still very humble. He's very hungry and humble, which is what his head coach tells him, which is great. But at some point in time, the quarterback has to be like, you know what? This is my team. 
And that's fair. What I will say is that what we watched under Brady, and I want to bring this point up because here you are talking, because we're here kind of crapping on the idea that like they didn't do enough in their search for a new offensive coordinator, or at least to bring in ideas or engage Josh enough to be like, hey, take this. If and he just goes up, every guy has gotten. Have you noticed don't, every every single guy has gotten Josh Allen's vote of confidence at the end of the season? Of course, don't don't forget your point. Hold your point, but it, it goes yes. it goes all the way to ownership because as as people sure. are talking about this idea of 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 removing McDermott, right? So do we fire yep. Sean McDermott? And at the end of the day, you remove a coach who can't beat a coach, and Sean McDermott right now can't beat Andy Reid when it matters. But it turns in the question was, well, who do you go get? You're telling me that Jim Harbaugh wouldn't want to coach Josh Allen and that Josh Allen wouldn't be better with Harbaugh. I, if I'm an owner, you at least have the conversation. I'm making a phone call. Well, that's it. You have the conversation. And that's where I would have liked to have seen them have the conversation with yes. a number of offensive coordinators. Even if they came back and said, we still think Joe Brady's the best fit. Do more. Do a little bit more to Agreed. show that you mean this. Agreed. Now. Yeah, but, I, go ahead, but here we talk about the expansion of what the offense was. Right. And it's hard to look at that and go, this is the worst case scenario. When I see things like Khalil Shakir, who at the beginning of this season, we talked about him during the offseason. Here's a guy who we know has talent. Mm -hmm. He showed it in college. Mm -hmm. Didn't get a lot of opportunities the first year. Mm -hmm. Now he's going to be one of the more veteran guys in that depth chart. He's a guy who has the best physical talents in that depth chart after you get past Gabe Davis and... Uh, Stefan Diggs. He's not as, here anymore. As, as far as we know. So We haven't seen certain guys, but yes. But so we want to see what Khalil Shakir can do. Now, the numbers on that through the first through the first six games. You're using the word weed. You have a mole in your pocket? No. Okay. I don't know I don't know that I want to see that. Okay. Well, here's what <laughs> six games he averaged one target per game. One per game. What was it? Six point six yards per game? And in ugly losses against the Jets week one and the Jaguars, when you're looking at the offense going, we need something. This right, isn't working. Right, what do you have? Right. Shakir was an afterthought. He wasn't visible at all. He wasn't a part of the game plan, and there was no concerted effort to get him involved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He finishes the season with the highest catch percentage in NFL history for a wide receiver who got more than 45 targets. As far as catch rate? Catch rate. Gotcha. Yeah, catch rate. He also, down, down the stretch, final six games, goes from you know first six to final six, 4.3 targets per game, 43 yards per game, and two playoff touchdowns. That's a guy who has a skill set that you need to know how to use. What I'm seeing is you had an offensive coordinator before who wasn't doing the thing. We were all screaming about running back involvement. We're yeah, all yeah, screaming yeah. about this. Yeah. This is a guy who unlocked a lot of that. Mm -hmm. We didn't... It was funny, Chris, because you remember all the discourse about Stefan Diggs and how he slumped down the stretch. When you look at the numbers of what we figured, where we finished, and if you tried to extrapolate that out over an entire season, just in that small sample, mm. albeit, so it's probably not fair. But right now, points per game, 27.7 is where we finished for the year. We were in sixth. <clears throat> Under Brady, we would have finished closer to fifth. It would have been 27.8. Sure. Average 23.5 first downs per game, which would have been first in the NFL. Right. Okay. 156.4 yards rushing per game, which would have been number one in the NFL. And then you look at the running back thing. Mm -hmm. Here's a thing that 
you've got Jim Kelly going to national media going, oh, Josh can't do it alone. I need. I had Thurman. I had this. The, 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 the quarterback needs production. And the point that he was trying to make is not so much he needs a star running back, and I think everyone took that and ran with it, was that that position has to produce or For else sure. it's not going to help Josh carry this team. And I think Jim probably sees a little bit of what you're talking about, this, this dynamic of, He's not out there demanding the K-Gun offense. <laughs> right. He's not out there saying, you have to play by my rules. Jim, Jim lived in a different world. I mean, Jim lived... Jim was... Uh, by different I, world, do you mean Big Tree Inn? Yeah, <laughs> big tree Inn. yeah right. The, the Big Tree Inn and, uh, by, what is it, No Names? Downtown? Right, right. By, di- by, bi- by different world, what I mean is just simply, Jim, Jim lived in a world where he got to walk to the line, call the play, based on the alignment the defense was giving him, which means that when he called a running play, he knew that it was going to gain yards. Part of that ownership of the offense that is odd to me as I look back on this season and last season post-Brian Dable is the inability, inefficiency, lack of true audibles that Josh does. Josh doesn't do a whole – I mean, sure, he taps the helmet and everybody makes an adjustment here or there. He calls right, read a left, you know, and he calls. The play left. never dramatically changes. It never dramatic. I mean, the amount of times you've watched, and That's as fair. much as they've, they've, people hate Tony Romo and they've throttled him down. But the amount of times that we've heard just subtly, Romo say, "I don't know why he didn't check out of that play," or, or inferred something to that, like that play wasn't. Or we've seen Brian Baldinger break it down, or you know, Orlovsky or one of these guys break it down, like that play wasn't going to work from the start. So I'm reminded of um, who was who was the uh, why is it. Uh, who was the quarterback for the Bears? It was with the Broncos originally. And uh, the don't Jay care. Cutler? Jay, Jay Cutler. Cutler. It was a freaking Sunday night or Monday night football game. And, like, they, if you remember, he was with the Bears. This was his last season. And it was made known that he was the, the right to audible was removed from him. <laughs> like, they were like, you are no longer allowed to audible. And his, his season was not good. And there's one particular moment. The, the, the offense breaks the huddle. They're coming to the line. So he's got, got the play call based on whoever's calling plays at the time. He He's walking up to the line. He looks around, and he literally – and it's audible. You could hear it like they caught it. He goes, you've got to be effing kidding me. Because he knew, like, this play is not going to work. And I just feel like there's something missing that goes beyond, like – who the offensive coordinator is or who like, and then you hear Sean, I'm sorry, Sean McDermott come out and be like, we need to be more explosive. And I'm like, uh? like what? <laughs> yeah, well, this is, this is where what? you're, and, and we've already made our peace with the fact that we can't move on from Joe because we've done podcasts from who, and, uh, from, uh, we cannot move on from Sean McDermott. They or at least they can't, they've decided not to. But but I think the reasons are because of they're building a new stadium and they need to put butts on the seats. They need something. So, I understand that some of it's yeah. like we get it. Like there, there's a business decision sure. being made here. Sure. Now, at the same time, I also want to point out that the decision to retain Brady. It's worth mentioning when you look back at Cook and the job he did over the year and just where he ended up at the end of the, especially those last, like that last. Two months of football. Sure, he was sure. one of the more dynamic running backs in the entire league. Uh, it, it, yes and no, in and out. So it's like in he and was, out. and then he wasn't. Well, he, he makes was, mistakes. And then he wasn't right. But here's but here's they, they lose him. They lose him in the in the game plan, right? But but that's part of it too. Is where is your game plan? And this is why I would have liked to have seen them do more work. But you have to acknowledge the fact that Christian McCaffrey and James Cook are the only two running backs in the whole NFL that finished top five in both yards before contact and yards after contact. Sure. So, 
that's something we haven't been able to say about a Bills rushing attack in a long time. For sure. Now, not all of that is to his credit. I also am really happy to know that we still have Aaron Cromer here. Aaron Cromer being a part of this team going into next season is huge. Big fan. Because they are probably going to be drafting another player. Now, probably not early. I assume Mitch Morse will return. He's said as much. He goes, I'll come back if they'll have me. I'm sure there's going to be a salary conversation. Actually, he said, I'll be back. I'm under contract. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's going to be a salary conversation. And the, yeah, maybe. The, yeah. the quote was, I'll be back if they'll have me. Sure. Because I think he knows, like, oh, a cash-strapped team, they're going to do what's best. I'm older, but I'm good. He's not, though. Is he 31? Look at the, let's see it. Where, where do we go? Mitch Morse. Okay. 31. 31. Nailed it. And 307 days. Nailed it. Now, closer oh, to he's 30. But he was oh, con- oh, so he'll be, he's about to be 32. But he yeah. was contemplating retirement because of his concussions. We think. We think. Now, he'll be a UFA at the end of this season. The dead cap is $3 million. So we could, we could make a lot of money by releasing him. The question's going to have to be answered over there at One Bill's Drive. Do we try to negotiate with him? Do we feel like you, you've worked in a lot of different professional capacities? It's true. When someone comes and does that wiggle test, like if you're a manager and you're looking at employees, you're like, I need somebody. I need, you know, we'll put a feeler out there and see if he's amicable to, eh, can we do something here? And then they go, oh, he's, he might be receptive because of his age, mm-hmm. his perceived roster spot if we draft a developmental center. Right. I expect that to be a part of the offseason. A developmental set. I know people say Ryan Bates. If they trusted Ryan Bates, he would have. <laughs> like, I feel like you. No, Ryan Bates is the guy. Ryan Bates is the guy that comes in for Mitch Morris. That's why they don't play him. That's why they, for, for two years, he was the first man off the bench, and he was never off the bench because they're deathly afraid that if Mitch Morris gets hurt, what are they going to do? And Ryan, you saw it last, last year with Van Roten. What happened when somebody else was came into play but center? If you, but if you look at that Cleveland game where <laughs> Bates started, it wasn't great. Like he's not. But why? I mean, there's more to it than just he wasn't sure. great. I mean, was, so was he now, lined up across from Miles Garrett? So, so now you have a good <laughs> offense. Now you have a good offensive line coach. Right. You've got Bates. Maybe that's your upshot. Maybe they draft a developmental guy. But at the end of the at the end of the day, we have a guy here mm-hmm. who proved over this season that he still has it. Sure. He's still got it to coach up. You've got Spencer Brown, who has a bounce back season and a rookie next to him. Mm-hmm. who has one of the better rookie offensive lineman seasons in the NFL. Sure. You get to that space and you say, Aaron Cromer, like, he's been under-discussed by fans. I'm really happy that we finally have an offensive line with run-blocking chops. That yards before contact, like, like good for Cook, for having the you know top five yards before contact. That's not so much a running back stat yeah. as it is a offensive line stat. The, the, I want I just I just don't forget what you're going to say, Drew. I have one small caveat. So the Bills had the ability to do some things good before. They just wouldn't do it. So the Bills were very good yes. at being a pin and pull offensive line in the mm-hmm. past. This year they learned or they figured out, "Wow, we're really good at pulling that tackle all the way across the line and going in the other direction and swinging the whole entire offense in the opposite." And they did it a bunch. But they often got trapped in that play. It was like, this is what we can do. (laughs) Well, that's it. They had one move, right? It's like, it's like the movie knocked up 
where he's out there and they're like they're watching his their friend dance from the balcony. They're like he's doing the dice thing too much. That was the Bills that's, offensive run, one hundred percent, and that's why it failed. Right. A lot of times it would fail them in games because teams went, oh, they have this. That's what and they that's got. That's all they have. That's all they got. All of a sudden, you bring a Spencer Brown and you bring a Torrance in, and now you, and McGovern to a certain degree. And now you can run with a little bit of power and you start to see more inside runs and they go, oh, now we have to respect the entire line. I don't I don't think you make a move on the offensive line. I think if you can get Mitch to come back even to his current salary, you do it. If you if he's to your point, is there wiggle there? Is he willing to kick some of that money down the road, get a couple void years to give us some, some opportunity? But if you're if you're saving three million dollars, I mean, I don't know that that's a situation of it's like, hey, well, you're uh, saving more than that his dead cap is three and his cap number is 11 so you're saving eight. about eight yeah eight and a half which could matter if he's gone if he's gone if he's gone so then you have which to could and, matter. so then you have to determine whether or not ryan bates is and that's worth it. eight and a half million and you've got it up here uh chris i don't know is, is ryan bates under contract for one more year do you send a two-year deal or a four-year deal go hit the spot track chris so while he looks that up realistically we not only have to look at Cromer, but the fact that we have offensive line and we have depth returning for next year. Because here you are talking about he's still under contract. Everybody who was on the roster last year at offensive line, is under except for David Edwards, right? who I think is a quality backup and you could still get him for cheap. Yeah, he's, he's not going to command a huge salary. No. For sure. you so could he's at, br- uh, through 2025, so two more years. You could conceivably run back the entire offensive line room. Uh, why would you not? And you could. You'd be an idiot not to. Yeah, to, to me, forcing Mitch Morse into a uh, restructure if he doesn't want it is cutting off your nose to spite your face at that, sure. at that point. But there again, that's the that's where you as the GM, this is where Brandon Bean is going to prove his worth. It's these things of, can you have that conversation of just... For sure. Do you have a light conversation just to test the water? And then you're like, oh, he's amicable. That, or if he feels like there's a little wiggle room there, he's a little loose on this, fine. Now I'll apply a little bit of pressure and see if I can't shave a few million dollars. That might come in handy because we've got a lot of holes to fill. And at the end of the day, <laughs> Mitch Morse is probably open to it. I mean, Mitch Morse wants yes. to win. And, yeah, well, he wa- and he wants to be here. Exactly. So those are, those are big, big. It's, it's the Matt Milano thing. I mean, we all remember where we were when we read the tweet the first time that Matt Milano signed for $14 million a year. Because we were all expecting eighteen million, and not as a Buffalo Bill. Right? I didn't think that. I, I so, assumed he was the. I assumed that they were going to keep Tremaine Edmonds, and sure. they were going to let Milano walk. And it would have been the dumbest decision because Milano is the Swiss Army knife that makes this whole thing right. dangerous. But but my point is still, yeah. For those of us that are in it as deep as the three of us are, and all the other podcasters, and kind and, and the super fan, like oh, you knew it was gonna, you thought it was you, gonna be this astronomical number right, because and, of his value, right? And you remember where you were when you read the tweet that like he signed for fourteen million. It's well, like, I think wait, what? I think they had announced right before that they announced John Feliciano's extension first, and yeah, I was like, did. well, that's anticlimactic. Yeah. And it's like, oh shit! All right, there's this. Right. Woo! There we go. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to sidetrack you there. No, but this is. But but this is it. This is what we're talking about. Can right, you right. get guys to a number? And if you can get them to a number because they want to be here, then you can do a lot of things as a as a Buffalo Bills football team in 2024. Right now, like right now in the running back room, James Cook is the only one returning. You have to rebuild that. You no, re- Ty Johnson's coming back. Well, this Ty is Johnson the thing. is a rhinoceros running downhill. There's you, no, I don't, I don't know how he got cut from the last team he was he on. He showed his value, right? So now the question is, what's his number, right? And so it's the not, Id- it's not big. But so the idea is, if you have to, in order to stay cap neutral, 
well, adding him back to the roster. Mm-hmm. If you went to a guy like Morris and you said, listen, you got to work with me so I can find $2 million so I can get this kid. I'm, that's probably what's going to happen. And that's my yeah, point. For sure. That's where you go look at that. But it's good that we have them all. Like yeah, we for sure. All 100%. Yeah. Now, there are changes coming. And there are decisions that are going to have to get made. And and the two biggest are probably the only two, like what? Uh, I don't think Stefan Diggs has ever been tabbed as an all-pro, has he? I believe he has been a first-team All-Pro. Chris, you want to give that a go? Because I think I might be... How can a man that is that has had eight... Has the, mis- the, the, the Minnesota Miracle? That has had 8,000-yard seasons in a row. 8,000-yard seasons. How has he never been an is, All-Pro? Who is going to be a, a, a first-ballot Hall of Famer not been an All-Pro? His first Pro Bowl and was voted first-team All-Pro team. Yes. What year was that? It was 21, I believe, right? 20 or 21? 2020 season. 2020, okay, yeah, 2020. Yeah. So we have a pair of All-Pros that we kind of have to figure out what's going to happen. A now, pair. Oh, Von Miller? Is that the, the other one you're going with? Well, I was talking about Trey White, but... Oh, Trey, yeah. Trey, yeah there, Vaughn's not leaving, and, and there's no conversation around Stefan Diggs either. Hey, Stop, whoa, 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 either, whoa, so. whoa. Is that... Now, guys... I, I did a show. So, guys, so, I'm going to say something crazy, and I just need you to hear this. It's how I feel. You can feel however you don't, want. Don't, don't <laughs> shoot the messenger. But if a court case comes out and that guy gets in trouble and avoids his NFL guarantees, I want Vaughn, okay. I don't care if... The, pro- I, the problem is, is even <laughs> if it's voided, they, the, all, the, all the upfront money they paid him is still going to hurt the Bills. Sure, it's going to hurt the Bills. But Stefan Diggs, we didn't talk about the fact that I do a podcast as well, and the last show that I did, Stefan Diggs is not going anywhere. It's twenty nine million to keep him here. I understand. It's thirty one million if he's not a Buffalo Bill. What I want to talk Stephon about is Diggs, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is going nowhere. No. So that's fine. Nowhere. I make my peace with the fact that Stephon Diggs is still here. I don't want him gone. We talked about it last week. It's not. Even I was a- like, there's only three. It's like it's it's the national media. It's everybody else. It's not if, just the national if, media. If, if you hang out out there on Twitter long enough, and this is why I hate social media. You find out that it seems like the only people who still want to f- Stefan Diggs here are Sean McDermott, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and Brandon Bean. And the rest of the world is trying to tell you why it's a terrible idea and why it won't work and the drama and all the bullshit. Realistically, you cannot afford to get rid of him, but also there's nothing happening right now. People go, oh, we got to dissect his verbiage every time he does a thing. It no, no, no. Matter. He knows. Like, he said it. I can only think about where my feet are right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listen, all you can do is what's right in front of you. He's currently under contract. He knows this. He's being asked questions over he's being asked questions. the same the same question and, over and over again, and he's just like, I don't even know what to tell you. Well, and that's my point. Like when, so, when you when you start to overanalyze a situation, you can talk yourself into believing that he's saying things he's not. He's not saying anything outside of because all he I, knows he's under contract. All I can do is <laughs> he knows he's under contract. Not only not only is he under contract, he can't be traded or yeah, cut. We can't afford to the, do this. The bigger problem with Stefan Diggs is two things. The two big problems with Stephon Diggs is the Buffalo Bills trying to figure out how to use him appropriately. And the appropriate way to use Stephon Diggs, and I know we talked about futures and draft yep. and mocks, is for the Bills to draft the next number one wide receiver. So I'm going to use yes. a name. You go get in the draft your Eric Moulds, and you move Stephon Diggs, who's on the wrong side of 30, into the slot just like they've done with OBJ, just like they've done with Cooper Cup, just like they do with all older very talented wide receivers, and Stephon Diggs is still your number one operating out of the slot while your new number one guy that you just drafted is effectively going to be coming somewhere like growing up in this offense. More than likely, you're not going to find the next Justin Jefferson in the draft. That's just not what you do. But at the end of the day, the problem is the Bills finding a proper use and how to get Stephon Diggs to be in the offense like he was the first eight games of the season because he was having a career year the first eight games, and then the last nine games, he vanished. And he didn't vanish because all of a sudden he forgot how to run routes. He didn't vanish because all of a sudden he wasn't covered, or he was covered. He didn't vanish because all of a sudden things weren't going well. He, they just stopped using him. And then, hang on a second, the other problem is mm-hmm. Buffalo Bills fans that believe Khalil Shakir is a number one wide receiver. Well, that's wild. Don't. Th- that's the other the problem. The person who comes in this room and says that with me, I'm going to ask him to leave. Now, with that said, <laughs> they're out there. There's a lot of them. Yeah, well, to keep them away from <laughs> Khalil Shakir is a number one. I like Khalil Shakir, and he I'll proved, he proved I, me wrong this year. But it's like he is not. He's gone from ten receptions to being the number and the number two the time to now like being the number one. You it's like, did what this. Is you did a show with me and John Fina and yeah, Joe yeah, Marino yeah. with Roland O'Neill's. O'Neill's, that's right. And then me and Fina, if you, I don't know if you caught that, me and Fina kind of pushing and shoving over there near the bar because I was just antagonizing. <laughs> I just, I, I needle this guy because everyone loves him. And I feel like I have to give that little brother energy to just be like, hey, just remember. Right, right. You're, but I'll tell you what, what I like is when I give him that, he turns on that other side of his personality where I'm like, oh, this is the guy that used to bully people around oh, on yeah, a football dude. field. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's every bit of six foot five. Yeah, this <laughs> is a guy who used to push people around yeah, for a living. That's right. And I like being able to bring that out of him. Yeah. He hates it. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you're, you're, you're dead on. There's, there's many times. John Fina has become one of my best friends, and there's many times it's like, you are not mean enough to have been a, a, a former left tackle for a for a like oh. Super Bowl football team, and it's like it's in there somewhere. Everyone is so nice to him. I feel like I have. He's to nice. Him. He's a nice guy. He's super nice. I feel bad. I have to do it, but yeah. somebody has to give him like it's like. Listen, yeah. I have to try to balance out the equation. Here's what I'll say: wide receivers over thirty one. Five since 2015 have had thousand yard seasons. Now, when you look at the names, Brandon Marshall, Jordy Nelson, Larry Fitzgerald, twice, 
Those... Jul- Julian Edelman and Larry Fitzgerald again. Julian Edelman is the only guy that's like Stefan Diggs in that list. And now here's the thing that you find, and this is why your comment about draft the next number one wide receiver is, is spot on. Mm-hmm. They all got shifted to the slot. That's right. They all that's got you moved do. to the slot because you're nuanced and you're savvy. You don't have the long speed. We saw that. Mm-hmm. You don't have the deep catchability. We saw that. It's hit or miss, and it was more miss than hit this season. Ver- verticality is not speed, but and speed is not verticality. I mean, no, 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 no. Gabe but, Davis is not but, fast, but he can get vertical, so but, I don't believe that for a second. But, but being able to make those downfield catches kind of evaporated this year. But and, that was so much of that. So much, so, so much of that was Josh Allen. Josh Allen's sure. head. Okay, one hundred percent. The Jets game, he overthrew, so then he started underthrowing and throwing interceptions, and it's like, oh, okay, and then he started overthrowing but, again. But if this like, is, but so if it's in your quarterback's head. We need to find a system that involves him not overthinking this stuff. Well, and so what I'm trying to do is say, look, it's probably not going to work for Stefan Diggs remaining on the outside long term. So the, move him inside, allow him to still be ultra productive for for more reasons than once. Def- st- Cole Beasley came out this week on Twitter and said the biggest reason that I was successful specifically from the slot, it was, he was talking about choice routes. I can't remember who the wide receiver was. It was from the Super Bowl. Choice route this, and I don't like choice routes. Yeah. Or something just happened No, no, uh, Shadur, uh, the uh, Deion Sanders' son, the That's quarterback okay. from That's Colorado, yeah. went on a podcast and talked about how much he didn't like choice routes. Right. And they're like, look, that's the NFL. Man. Well, it's not all of the NFL, because since Cole Beasley has left, the choice route has pretty much evaporated in this offense. In the sense of, because of what Cole Beasley said, the, I believe I was not there, but we hear the stories of when Stephon Diggs showed up and constantly rerunning routes to make sure that him and Josh got on the same page. And I feel like Cole Beasley got here at the same time and was like, yes, and felt like he had that access to Josh because he did, that he didn't have the DAC or whoever else was in Dallas. And there was a great deal of like they were on the same page, Josh and Cole, Josh and Steph, Josh and Emmanuel, Josh and John Brown all the time. I don't know what's going on, and Josh Allen tells us before the last season, you know, I've never been more dialed in on football in my entire life, but he does not look as dialed in or is on the same page with his receivers as he did in 2020 and 2021. And to me, a lot of that comes down to whoever's in the slot, Shakir, whatever, whoever that person is that's supposed to be there, isn't in his face. So to me, the benefit of moving Diggs to that spot is also you to pay attention. To is, well, it's also that, that like Josh is going to know what Steph is looking at, what Steph is seeing, and what Steph is going to do, which is what he saw with Cole. The biggest problem with the Buffalo Bills offense since Cole Beasley left is the fact that Cole Beasley is not there. Like he doesn't have that guy that he knows is going to be open four yards down the field. I don't think it has anything to do with the run game. I love James Cook. I love Ty Johnson. I love what the running backs bring to this offense. But to me, I need that it's, inside presence. Stats only matter till they don't, and this offense is not better than it was in 2020 or 2021. It's not. So then you also have a complicated Trey White situation. For now, sure. we all love Good him. Good pivot. Good we pivot. all love him. <laughs> no one's saying that we don't like Trey White, but the NFL is a business. It's not even, it's not even about it being a business, and this is one of the topics that I'm going to do on, on one of my shows in the offseason. We're just, what do you do? You've got Tredavious White. You've got, uh, you know, you've got Christian Benford. You've got Kair Elam. Who knows? I mean, he's, he's a rookie on a rookie contract. Who You've now has a Russell new Douglas. coach. And this is where I look at this. I go, you have a coach. They changed position coach. Yes. So you now have a new defensive backs coach who teaches a little bit different style of yeah. cornerback. Now, to this point, you could say, well, what is he going to teach these cornerbacks? They're veterans. Elam's a veteran, but he's played the fewest games out of any of the guys ahead of him on the depth chart. 
And it sounds like a guy who could use some tutelage. Well, they hired the they, or they drafted the wrong guy. And you, but, but for the system and for the coach, yes. Now you, what you do is though you look around and you go, hey, here's a guy that we just traded for, Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas, we talked about it in our last podcast, took the journeyman's road. What, Chris? Six different teams, something like that. That he was a part of. Yeah, like but when he, he got to the Packers, he kind of grounded himself and became sure. But also, you can't tell me coaching isn't like you pick up things along the way where you're like oh i needed to learn this oh i needed to learn that 100 i didn't have this when 100%. it first came out the fact that they're pivoting to a new coach who teaches different techniques now yeah could still save the career of a Kyrie elam Kyrie elam is going to have an nfl career it's just and probably not going to be in buffalo so it's just who can get that value out of so it? so the Buffalo Bills hypothetically in another world if you're if you're looking at what they did with Kyrie Elam they're a zone team that hired a man up cover guy it's, it's and like, then they're shocked it's he like, can't it's acclimate like, it's like having a, a team an offensive that runs four verticals and you draft Chad Pennington and it's like <laughs> hey Chad you're now the quarterback they're gonna run go routes every play you gotta throw the ball sixty yards and Chad's like I can't throw the ball sixty yards what do you want from me. I mean, they, they, they're asking him to do something he cannot do. And so the idea is with better coaching. It's Pat and, It's Pat DeMarco running a post route. <laughs> and if I swear to God, Chris, we talked about this. After that Houston game, I said, if I ever see a downfield pass to a fullback again, I'll bite someone's ear like Mike Tyson. The icing on the cake, the icing on the cake of Pat DeMarco running a go route into a jump ball is then the coaching staff afterwards saying we didn't execute. <laughs> We didn't execute. What is that play? What are we talking about? We didn't execute. Let, you know what I want to execute is the person who drew up that play. The person who drew up a go route to DeMarco. I want that person executed. That Houston Texas games is going to live in like our memories for like we're going to be we're all going to be like laying in our in in the hospital bed ready to die and like we're going to be thinking about that Texas game. Like if if Dawson Knox just makes that block on that quarterback sweep, like Josh Allen is still running. Like now, just make the block. How about this? <laughs> if three guys in black NFL hats don't come out and give a nonsense reason that that touchdown doesn't stand, there was which which they finally made a reappearance in the last Super Bowl. There was a lot of referees in black jackets oh, of like, course like it's like what is going <laughs> on right it's like now? wait a minute it's uh i have to get past that yeah the best part is when you see like reed ferguson tweet about it well that's <laughs> it because it still bothers him i was gonna say as a business partner and a friend it bugs him yeah so as we're talking about trey his cap hit against dead money 16 million a year for the foreseeable future yeah, yeah. or 10 million dollars dead money right now and you drop everything Trey's, his, Trey's gonna have to have a difficult conversation. Do you want to be a Buffalo Bill or not? At his best, all pro. All pro. But you gotta be healthy. And I don't know what it's gonna take to get him there. It's not even about being healthy. It's about the other guys that are on the roster and younger than that's him. That's the problem. And, and cheaper than him. They found Benford, and that was like stolen money. Yeah. They and, found Benford late in the draft. Then they traded for Douglas, and I think Douglas was supposed to just steady the ship, and instead he became what you would want out of a CD1. In the system, right? And then Dane Jackson, they're going to re-sign Dane Jackson. Because I mean, Dane Jackson costs you nothing, right? and they and, love him. And Cam Lewis is definitely going to come back. The bigger problem is the Bills fans are like, oh, let's just move one of these guys to safety. And it's like, so the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invoke the words of Steve Tasker, which is, in order to play safety in the NFL, you have to be able to tackle, and there's not many of these guys that want to tackle. They just, now, they just don't want to tell. You played football. When I was a little kid, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I played football when I was younger. Yeah. I liked to, like, run and hit. 
Yeah. I like to block. You know, they move me from guard. I, I'm obviously too short. <laughs> so they move me back pretty quickly. Right. Once everyone else hit puberty and shot right, up, right, right. they were like, well, what else can we do with you? You're blocking tight end. Will you play a little fullback? Right. Hitting other people is fun. You know what isn't fun? Getting hit. Getting hit. Or when they're like, oh, there's injuries. Gear, get out there and just stand there as a <laughs> linebacker. It'll be fine. No one's going to get through the line. You won't have to tackle. And then you have to right, tackle right. and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> And you get lambasted by some running back who's lowering his shoulder. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming downhill and tackling is an art form. Oh, yeah, for sure. And knowing how to do it, not hurt yourself, do it, and do it effectively, it's hard. It's hard. Trey White has never played the run well. Yeah, he, he does not like to tackle. The, the aggressiveness that he plays the game of football with, he's more finesse mm -hmm. than he is aggression. Rasul Douglas is more aggression than he is finesse. Right. And that's, like, they are like the yin and yang of what the NFL cornerback is. Well said. And so I look at that and go, they're making their choice. They're saying, listen, we're going to keep Douglas mm -hmm. for another year. And now we have, to, and we have to have a hard conversation about what Trey White is. Where does he fit now? Because we've stumbled into this that works. Yeah. yeah. We stumbled into a six-round pick that works. We have a first rounder who could work with some better coaching. Now what? And you start to ask those questions, and then they got to look at Trey and go, Trey, we can't, we can't keep doing this, man. Trey, Trey, it's 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 a hard, it's a it's hard, a, it's heartbreaking. It's hard, it's it's a it's a difficult conversation, and it's because Trey embodies everything that you want as a Buffalo Bill, but you're also talking about a guy. If you're having the opposite conversation that, you know, contemplated opting out for COVID and literally loves his family. And like when he gets injured, you know, the things that come into his mind are his children and his wife, which, you know, the reality is, is Micah Hyde is in that same spa space as is uh, uh, Harris, uh, you know, whose wife immediately after he got the spinal injury was like, you know, you people don't realize what this is until it happens to you. Yep. So there's an absolute Damian Harris is contemplating retirement right now, whether people want to think about it or not, because he's worried about his future. And Trey, John, John Fina said to me on a podcast, a long, one of the first ones we ever did is we were just talking about, because I always bring up fan stuff, like things like the most frightening thing for me as a fan, if I, if I was to put myself in the shoes of an offensive lineman, would it be to be rolled up on the back of my legs? Because yep. you don't know what's coming. You're braced doing something else. And if somebody lands on the back of your legs, and he's like, you just don't ever think about it. No, you but, don't. But, but when I would press into him on stuff like that, he literally said when he got to the Cardinals in 2001 or 2002, mm -hmm. he said my mind was pretty much out of it. He said in football at the NFL level, when, you're, when your head is not in the game and you're, you're someplace else, which means retirement, worried about injuries, your body's not there, he said football becomes very dangerous and it becomes scary. And I feel like sometimes Trey is in that space of, I'm not sure I want to be here. I think he likes playing football. I think he loves it. I think he loves the guys. But I think his family, and I'm a family man. I got two little girls, and I love my wife. I've been married for 23 years this May. Like, I can respect that beyond, and he's made generational wealth already. Yes. But I, I just don't. I wouldn't hate, I, like, I wouldn't fault him. Right. Exactly. Making and I think, that's, and I think that's where I'm at. A business I think decision. that's where I'm at on that. Like, I just don't know that, I don't know that Trey... I don't ever want to see Trey White in a different uniform. I just don't know that. I just, it just, I just don't know that. It, yeah, especially this year. If we had sixty million dollars in cap space open to us, it's a different conversation. Sure, but this year it's like we got a bunch of cheap guys that are already on the roster, and we did okay last year. And so, Chris, before we can even start having these free agency conversations or talking about what the team's going to do, they have to figure out ideologically what do you want to be and where is everyone head mm. everyone's head at. 
where is Mitch Morse? Where is Trey White? Where is Stephon Diggs? Is Stephon Diggs going to be okay with a kind of a position change? You haven't brought up AJ Epinesa yet either. Who's going to get a big contract? Well, this is where it's like, listen, man. There's, there's. This is the offseason conversation. These are the, to me, the biggest hurdles that stand in front of us figuring out what our plan is going to be. Because if you can figure out the Trey White piece, then maybe there's something you can do there. With a AJ Epinesa, is that Trey? Is that Trey's numbers in front of us? Yeah. What, what's the cap savings if they cut him or trade him? If they cut him, it's six. It's not enough. It's not enough. But Bean's done a lot with a little before. <laughs> We've watched him well, turn wine into wine. You started the wine. show. You started the show. I'm, I'm inferring or or, or, or kind of like uh, yeah. make, making my own idea, like. Uh, of, of you know making magic of what's going to be the 2024 yeah. season and what has fallen to the bills heavily in the last several years is holy shit i want to play with that guy puna ford these guys that come yes. on for a million dollars like there's going to be guys out there uh so that six million dollars might be worth something uh who's the joseph guy that came off the bench came off the couch um oh Lendell joseph. joseph Lendell joseph is like even even leonard fournette i'm just waiting for the bills to call me so i can play with josh allen right and give me a million dollars and i'll play for you guys and this i mean is it's where, gonna happen and this is where that six million even though it doesn't look like much on paper might matter right it might right so there's a lot of hurdles that have to be cleared before i can even start to think about like i need to get a firm understanding of what this team wants to be but with those guys yeah and those are yeah. things that you have to take into account if you're going to try to start already doing mock drafts and you're already talking about your ideal free agency scenario. Well, I mean, thinking of drafts, I mean, what if the Bills look at it and they're like, oh, my, we're going to lose A.J. Epinesa. We can't, he's going to get $19, $20 million a year, and we can't, we can't afford that. Even if they do a $4 million for the first year, understanding that what Josh is going to get over the next couple of years, then you got Von Miller wrapped into that, and Stephon Diggs' cap is getting bigger. Yada yada yada, and they draft first overall. They draft a defensive end, an edge rusher, it's and just everyone's like, heads will explode. But it'll make sense. Does it? I don't think it does. I, we'll we'll see. I would love to have you, like guys. I can't wait to fight him more about this topic as the season goes on. I don't know how. You, what what is the fight? The Buffalo Bills have spent fifty to seventy million dollars on the defensive line, nine to ten guys every single year for the last four years, so they can have this accomplish nothing in the play fifty percent rotation <laughs> bull crap that doesn't work, and it, and it hasn't accomplished anything in the games where it matters. Has not worked. Point taken. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs game, there was one. Bang, there was that's one. It, that's every time. There was one flash play in that Chiefs game. You know who it was made by Von Miller, and it was there was a penalty, so it was called back, and it wasn't on Von Miller. So it's just like, really, this is what we're paying for. Guys, Greg Rousseau a- vanished. AJ Epinesa vanished. Everybody vanished. And Oliver vanished. All of the offseason stuff, because for everyone who, like, we just got done in the last show talking about how it's like New Year's, it's a fresh turning of the page. It's all coming up on us rapidly. We're a month away from free agency. The, yeah. So, with that in mind, we have plenty to come, but here are some hurdles that we've tried to just lay out for you to think about. The biggest hurdle is safety. Things that they have to overcome before they can even start making their plans yeah, for the 2024 yeah. offseason. 100%. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Safety is the biggest problem. <laughs> safety is oh the biggest problem. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a whole other show. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. I can't wait to show up and do this again with you guys. But for tonight, we got to get out of here or at least this podcast. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Joe Miller. 
Joe, where can people follow you on social media and where can they, where can they find your show? So uh, the best thing you can do right now as far as uh, for the offseason and heading into next season is find everything Overreaction Buffalo or Overreaction Buff and follow it. So podcast, wherever your favorite podcast is, uh, YouTube, Overreaction Buff, everything Overreaction Buff, uh, Overreaction Buffalo kind of going forward, at least through the offseason. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller Wired. And this has been your Rock Pile Report. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.